The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode 134 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, March the 31st. Man, March came and went just like that. And joining me from the upper section of the United States, back after a week off, but it seems like much longer than that because we've done a couple episodes in the meantime, please welcome back Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, I feel on this early Sunday afternoon, my friend. Bill, I feel great to be back. It's been too long. I've missed this, Bill. Um, it just doesn't feel like a week if we're not talking MMA on YouTube for the thousands of followers that we have to, to hear our voices. Yeah, man. Yeah. The, the fans have been clamoring for more animal. <laughs> um, if you guys are wondering why this is episode 134, if you're used to always downloading the episode on Sunday or on Monday, I know a lot of people do enjoy that Monday morning commute, uh, which is why we always try to post uh, by Sunday night the latest. There was an extra episode in between last Sunday and this episode right now. I had an interview with... UFC lightweight Matt Steamrolla Frivola. So that's episode 133. So after you're finished with this one, if you still got an extra commute and you're stuck in traffic or you're just pretending to do stuff at work, uh, please do go back and check that one out. Matt will be fighting Jalen Turner in two weeks at UFC 236 in Atlanta, Georgia. Jeff the Animal Wilson will be here watching it in person with me. We're, we're going to do some kind of live show for that one um so jeff how you feeling man i mean we got we got a week off from ufc and then you're gonna be here on vacation i know you had a lot of shit going on in your life but you know we get a little breather from the ufc next week and and then you're gonna be uh soaking up the sunshine how's it, so how's that feel Bill, I'm super excited to go out there and visit you. Um, it's been a little chilly the last couple of days. Yesterday was the first teaser of spring that we had, so it was really nice. But, Bill, I'm excited for some Florida sunshine, work on my tan a little bit. I can walk around in shorts all day, so I'm excited for that. Um, and, Bill, I think that the reason that there's no MA next weekend is because next weekend is WrestleMania. Uh, that Sunday, which I'm actually going to be attending. It's in New Jersey. It's at MetLife Stadium. So I'm very excited, Bill. Uh, you know, I'm not as big a wrestling fan as I was when I was a little kid, but it's always been a childhood dream of mine to go to WrestleMania and be there in person. Um, and part of that dream, Bill, is making sure that nobody behind me can see. So I'm going to have a giant poster that says the guy behind me can't see. <laughs> so if you see that on camera, you know where I'm at, Bill. Uh, you should hold up a giant poster that says subscribe to MMA on the rocks is what you should do. <laughs> actually, that's not a bad idea. That's actually yeah. the people who can't see can subscribe to the, to the, to the, to the podcast. Cause I'll have that on the back of the sign. Yeah. I mean, you're paying all this money for a ticket. You might as well get some promotion out of it and let's get some, let's get some subscribers that maybe want to hear about like actual fighting 
Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, as much as I as I like WrestleMania, I'll probably never go to another one because it's not real fighting. But it's it's something to knock off my bucket list, so I'm super excited. There you go, kid. All right, I'm excited for you then. All right, the other thing I was excited for was the main event last night. Now, I did not get to watch uh, UFC on ESPN2 from uh, the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia live last night because I was attending a party. I actually went to a speakeasy last night, Jeff. It was a oh, pretty nice. cool, pretty cool experience. It was, a, it was a birthday party and it's the kind of thing like you have to have a password to get in and then you get in, they got burlesque dancers and, and all this stuff and, and uh, pretty cheap drinks too, which was nice. I mean, it's not 1920s prices, but um, you know, didn't, didn't t- put too much of a dent in a wallet but speaking of dents, Justin Gaethje and Edson Barbosa put some dents in each other's legs last night. And I think that's what a lot of people were looking forward to was a battle of the leg kicks. And, and we certainly got it. And I think Justin Gaethje won that battle before he won the war with Edson Barbosa. And I think a lot of the dialogue was that Justin Gaethje should use his wrestling against Edson Barbosa and not try and stand and brawl with him. But what he did was lure Barbosa into his fight style, which is that brawling style, which is not where Barbosa is his strongest. Now, he did use a little bit of wrestling, and if you're wondering what I'm talking about because the fight never hit the ground, so that first uppercut, that first clean uppercut that Justin Gaethje landed, he landed it because he used a wrestling collar tie to pull Edson Barbosa into the uppercut, which is why it wobbled him so much. It wasn't just the velocity of that uppercut, which was a lot. He was actually pulling his head down into it. It was a beautiful strike. Uh, and then he was, you know, holding him up against cage a little bit. So we, we did get to see a, a small glimpse of Justin Gaethje's all American wrestling background, which you would never know this guy had uh, if you've seen any of his recent fights. Um, but yeah, that, that was a lot of the dialogue, but he was able to, you know, pull Barbosa into a brawl and Justin Gaethje did what Justin Gaethje does and getting that big knockout in the first round. Give me your thoughts on this main event, Jim. Yeah, Bill, I was really imp- impressed with Justin Gaethje because he did implement his brawling style, but at the same time, there was a lot of technique in there, Bill. I loved the use of the clinch. It was neutralizing Barbosa's knees. He couldn't get those flashy kicks off, so I thought this was a really good strategy. Gaethje was in his face, and not only was he landing leg kicks, but, Bill, there was a lot of times where Gaethje was in a range where he could just step out from Barbosa's leg kicks. All he had to do was take one step back and Barbosa would miss a couple of those leg kicks. So I really enjoyed seeing how patient Justin Gaethje was. You know, this was a masterclass from Justin Gaethje, not only implementing his brawling style, but being pretty patient in there, using his head movement a lot to keep Barbosa guessing. This was a great performance from Justin Gaethje. He was as, you know, as crazy and violent as his style is last night he looked really methodical bill and if he can keep fighting like that i think he's gonna get um he's gonna stop taking so many hard shots i didn't see him get hit too hard in this one uh mm-hmm. there was probably one really stiff shot from barbosa in it uh everything else wasn't didn't have too much behind it because Gagey kept moving so i think that that was a very very dangerous justin Gagey, and i want to see him keep doing stuff like that against some of the higher ups in this lightweight division yeah for sure i, I would actually like to see justin Gagey against more of a grappler just to see how he does because we've only seen him 
fight guys that are willing to stand and bang with him. I mean, he, he fought Michael Johnson, but Michael Johnson didn't try and wrestle uh, much like Michael Johnson didn't try and wrestle last night. Um, yeah, that that's what I would like to see. But I think what will be next for Justin Gaethje is the winner of the Ally Aquinta and Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight. He already kind of laid the groundwork for that, saying, you know, why did Cerrone get to cut me in line? He, he wasn't even ranked in this division and he gets to fight with ally quinta and i I get him being frustrated about that but i i don't think justin gaethje walked into the ufc and hasn't fought less than a co-main event since he got here so (laughs) it's not like he's been treated poorly and he just took out a really tough guy i mean it's an unfortunate thing for edson barbosa here because here's a fucking killer i mean sometimes i still wake up in the middle of the night jeff and I yell, stop the fight, because I'm thinking about him abusing Dan Hooker. And, <laughs> and then I remember that it's that it's all over, you know, that Rob Hines actually did call an end to that fight. Um, but <laughs> that's just so funny. Oh, man. But Edson Barbosa, man, a fucking killer. And I would I would like to see him take on the loser of that Ally Quinta Cowboy Cerrone fight. And I think any way you match these four fighters up, uh, you're going to have fireworks and you're going to have uh, easily a main or co-main event. Um, you know, for for the loser fight, I, I hate to call it that, but for the fight between the two guys who lost, um, probably a co-main event. You could have, have it on the same card for all I care. Um, I mean, think about that. A- any way you line that up, Iaquinta versus Gaethje, awesome. Cowboy versus Gaethje, awesome. Iaquinta versus Barbosa, awesome. Uh, Cowboy versus Barbosa, awesome. There's there's no wrong way for that to work out. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I like it, but I got to throw in another monkey wrench here, Bill. All right. I want to see Justin Gaethje fight the winner of uh, Kevin Lee versus Rafael Dos Anjos. I think that fight is fireworks. But keep in mind that fight is at welterweight, Jeff. Oh, is it? I thought they were fighting at one fifty-five. All right, uh, um, but wait, isn't uh, is Cowboy versus Ali Kinta going to be at one fifty-five? Wasn't Cowboy at welterweight for a bit? He was, which is why um, you know everything's confusing. Which is why we really need this one sixty-five pound division because you have so many guys going up and down. You, you know, Pettis going up and down. Just make the one sixty-five division. I mean, it it would really make things a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. I especially like. You know, for for two guys like us who follow the sport so closely, you would think uh, it would be a little bit easier. But no, these guys have to keep moving up and down because of that 15-pound uh, weight gap. So they need to fix that. Again, I just feel for Edson Barbosa here, man. I mean, dropped three of his last four, but still one of the deadliest guys on the planet. He just happens to be in such a stacked fucking division. And, yeah. you know... it. It's unfortunate. I would like to see him, you know, get his legs back under him. He's going to need some time off after such a vicious KO. Uh, so maybe, maybe even the loser of Cowboy Iaquinta would be a little bit too soon for him. But uh, I, I would like to see Barbosa, you know, on the upswing, just because, you know, he's not a trash talker. He's he's a really flashy striker. He's he's got excellent takedown defense, um, and. Yeah, I don't know. And then this division is so crazy, Jeff, because, you you know, you might have Pettis coming back down. Pettis called out the winner of last night's fight, 
and uh, and who knows if that'll happen. Anthony Pettis versus Justin Gaethje would be a fun fight too. So a lot of monkey wrenches everywhere. And then Tony Ferguson, you know, who knows when he'll be back, but when he is, insert him into the mix. And then we got the up and comers like Steamroller Frivola, who I interviewed yesterday. Uh, you know, he'll he'll be up there in the conversation soon too. It's just such a crazy division, and it, it's really awesome. It's a really awesome time uh, to be a fan of the UFC. So the co-main event, another quick one, 49 seconds. Armin Guillotine for Jack the Joker Hermanson over Henzo Gracie, black belt, David Branch. And I have to make that distinction, Jeff, because Henzo Gracie doesn't just pass out black belts uh, like he's running a candy shop. You know, that is actually a very elite black belt to have. If you think about some of the world-class grapplers who have black belts under Henzo Gracie, Ricardo Almeida, Matt Serra, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Jack Hermanson with a beautiful Armin guillotine setup, and, and this is like a go-to setup for him. Uh, I believe he hit it on Gerald Mearshart in his last fight. It was something very similar. And, man, 49 seconds. They were still dry. Nowhere for David Branch to go. He turned the wrong way. Uh, he didn't get his back to the mat. And, you know, he paid for it with a quick tap. And I was saying last week, Jeff, that David Branch is a guy, like, you never really know what you're going to get. You know, maybe he's going to come out and starch a guy in 30 seconds, and then maybe he's going to get dominated. It seems to be that hot and cold for him uh, since coming to the UFC. Give me your thoughts on this co-main event, Jeff. Bill, I thought Jack Hermanson looked phenomenal, phenomenal in this fight. He, the way he um, got David Branch to the ground was ridiculous. He went for a double, and it looked like he didn't fully commit to the double leg because he rode up David Branch, got an underhook and an overhook, and started pushing up from the underhook and pulling down on the overhook and lands this beautiful leg trip bill it was just such a beautiful takedown i had to go back and watch it four or five times just kind of i wanted to see how he set it up how he did it i want to try and land this on somebody in training but from there david brand starts getting up and immediately her manson starts throwing that that uh arm over the shoulder and neck and he just has to Pull Branch down, beautiful technique from Jack Hermanson. Uh, if you're a grappler, definitely go and check this out. There was actually a lot of good grappling on this entire card, uh, at least the main card anyway. And, Bill, I think you're right with David Branch, man. I don't know what you do with him at this point. This is his second run in the UFC, and this is probably his third loss in like four fights in the UFC, something ridiculous like that. So I don't know, man. I think David Branch is on thin ice right now. Yeah, yeah, you would think. And here's a guy who came in with with so much momentum. He's dropped three of his last four. So, yeah, he's kind of in the same boat as Edson Barbosa. Uh, and, I mean, if you look at the guys he's fought, I mean, he does have a knockout win over Tiago Santos, who's on the verge of, of mm -hmm. fighting for the title, a weight class up right now. Uh, you know, a loss to Luke Rockhold, it's nothing to hang your head about. Jared Cannonier, he's really killing it right now. Uh, since moving to 185. So I think maybe a little bit of time off. I I think probably a, a, a ride back down to the prelims for David Branch. Um, it, you know, there, there are some matchups for him. 
uh, as far as Jack Hermanson, I think probably the winner of Elias Theodoru and Derek Brunson would be uh, a good test for him uh, and, and would help him move up the ladder a little bit. I think he's ready. I don't think that would be uh, rushing anything too much. Um, and yeah, I think that's what's on the horizon for him. Any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think that's a really good test for him. Whoever wins that fight, Theodoru's no slouch, really well-rounded, and uh, Derek Brunson, really, really high-level wrestler. I actually kind of want to want to see him fight Derek Brunson and see how their grappling matches up. Um, Bill, I was gonna add a thought, and then. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Bill, before we go any further, just real quick, some uh, BJPen.com news. Uh, I try to check it when I am when I have a break at work. And you're right. So, Tiago Santos is going to fight John Jones for the light heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. And um, on the same card, I want to say that's UFC 239. Don't quote me on that. It's UFC 230-something. Whatever that international fight week card is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. So, um, so Jones is going to be fighting Tiago Santos, which I'm really excited for. And then Amanda Nunez is putting up one of her two belts, her 135 pound belt, uh, against Ali Holm. Uh, that's probably going to be a co-main event on that card. Bill, this fight week card is shaping up to be really, really exciting. I those two fights alone are probably worth your money if you're going to order that pay per view. Yeah. Or maybe we can get a plane ticket to Vegas, Jeff. What do you say? It's summertime. You're going to be off from work. Let's let's get out there and cover this thing. Yeah, I'm game for that, Bill. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, maybe the UFC will hook us up with some tickets. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are all exciting matchups. And it was kind of weird because there was some there was some news floating around that John Jones was going to fight Stipe. Uh, he even tweeted it himself, like, maybe Stipe and I will will fight in July. I don't think you guys are ready for it yet. And I think that was the UFC kind of, you know, testing the waters through the voice of John Jones. And my guess is that Stipe got wind of it and turned it down because it seems like Stipe wants the title or nothing. And he's been settling for nothing uh, for a long time. So I, I would really love to see Stipe get back in there. I guess it's just, you know, anything short of a championship isn't going to whet his appetite enough to get him, you know, off the couch or or off the fire truck, so to speak. So the let's get back to UFC on ESPN2 and the featherweights, Josh Emmett and Michael Johnson. This was a really close contest that Michael Johnson was probably edging out fairly Fairly handily, you know, I, you never know with the judging in MMA, Jeff, uh, because Emmett was pressuring, but Michael Johnson had better footwork. He was landing more shots. He was busting Emmett up a little bit. Josh Emmett, to me, had become very predictable throughout this fight. You know, he was moving forward, not even really cutting angles very much. He would do a shuffle with his head where it was Bob, Bob, overhand, or it would be a four count. Bob, 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 overhand. And, you know, it seemed like Michael Johnson was in a rhythm and he caught on to that and he had everything under control. But then with about 46 seconds left in the fight or so, Josh Emmett lands that overhand right that he had been setting up throughout the entire night. He was going low with some takedown feints. And I say takedown feints because he would just snatch Michael Johnson's leg, not really trying to finish the takedown. 
uh, you know, he kept trying to make him think low and come with the overhand right, which is, you know, a classic wrestler move. I think is the best example of using that tactic where he used to get you thinking about him. He would come with the overhand right. And, and he was keeping Emmett at bay. It only takes one time for it to get through. And that's exactly what happened with Josh Emmett. And then Josh Emmett making the cardinal mistake of asking for a fight night bonus and did not get one. Um, I, I thought I thought it was a pretty clear understanding now that you don't ask for them because if you ask for them, you're not going to get them. You know, make a good call out, cut a promo, uh, you know, put your coat on, get out of the office. And um, I guess Josh Emmett didn't get that memo. But, uh, man, Michael Johnson starched pretty good. Give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Bill, um, I, I actually thought that – my, yeah, I agree with you. I think Michael Johnson was doing a really, really good job. But I think that Josh Emmett was really smart in that third round because Michael Johnson, when when Emmett went for that overhand right, he ducked under like really, really low. And it kind of looked like that overhand right was going to hit Johnson in the body. So Johnson kind of dropped his left hand a little bit. And that's when Emmett landed that right hand right on the jaw. I think I saw Michael Johnson's tooth fly out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> there was something, something that flew out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think it was a tooth. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, dude, up until that point, I wasn't seeing anything special from Emmett. He was kind of just like fainting a lot, um, not really trying to, to finish the fight. So it was just really interesting. And I think that has to do with um, Josh Emmett's fight against Tra – um, not Travis Stevens, Jeremy Stevens, because Emmett actually broke his occipital bone, which was really dangerous. Uh, I was hearing some interviews with him, and he said that his eye was actually in danger of like popping out of his head and, and getting hurt from, from the fracture mm -hmm. because it's so close to the eye. And, um, you know, if I were Emmett, I'd just be so nervous to, to go back in there after, you know, an injury like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how sparring was for him, so... You know, uh, there was a lot of, of things that Josh Emmett was doing that he wouldn't normally do up until that whole injury. Because Emmett, you know, his first fight in the UFC, he just went for it. He was not scared to put pressure on his opponent and move forward. And he ended up getting a knockout um, in that in his debut in the UFC. So, you know, I don't know how much that played into his mentality, but... Um, you know, I feel like Michael Johnson probably could have taken advantage a little bit more. I felt like in the beginning, especially that first round, they respected each other just a little too much. Um, I would have liked to see Johnson go forward, forward a little bit more. Um, but great fight from both of these guys. There was a lot of te technique here. It was a really technical matchup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were parts of it that may have seemed boring, but that's because they were feeling each other out, trying to time their shots, trying to look for a really, really powerful punch. So it was a good fight overall. Yeah, two guys who were really trying to utilize their boxing. You didn't see a whole lot of kicks mixed in there. Uh, you didn't see a whole lot of takedown attempts, you know, from two very solid wrestlers. All, all you saw were those those fainting attempts from Josh Emmett. And then Michael Johnson trying to argue that he wasn't out. Uh, <laughs> and he said uh, he said to he said to Keith Peterson, I wasn't out. And Keith Peterson just looked at him sideways and said, Yeah, you were. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love Keith Peterson, Jeff. I think he's my favorite uh, referee because we we talk a lot of shit about the referees when they mess up, but we don't talk about Keith Peterson because he's usually pretty consistent in there. I feel like he always catches a lot of the fouls. Um, you know, John Anik calls him no nonsense, Keith Peterson. He does seem like a very yep. serious guy in there, but you know, he does his job, and we never talk about him because he's good at it. You know, if the referee is good, you're not supposed to notice them in there. And that's why Keith Peterson is good. Uh, a very um, excellent ref. I think he's he's the golden standard in my book. Um, let's move on to the straw weights. Michelle Watterson with a dominant victory over Karolina Kovalkiewicz. And asking for the title shot, you know, I I don't see how they can deny her. Um, but they probably can, uh, <laughs> you know, a very convincing win over a very top uh, and game opponent and Carolina Kovalkiewicz, who also didn't seem like the same fighter to me since that took the hand Jessica Andrade in her last fight. She definitely, seemed, uh, a lot more tentative, there, but full credit to Michelle on the feet and on the ground. Jeff, did I lose you? Yeah, you, you broke up a little bit with the Wi-Fi for a second. But we're back. Um, I'm sorry, but I didn't hear your question. Uh, your thoughts on the Michelle Watterson, Carolina Kovalkiewicz fight? Oh, this dude, for me, this was fight of the night, man. I thought that Michelle Watterson made a statement in the strawweight division. Um, just dominated Carolina. Kovokovic everywhere. The stand-up, it was all Michelle Watterson mixing it up, mixing it up with those karate kicks that she's known for on the ground. She was going for submissions. Uh, Karolina Kovokovic did a really good job of getting out of a, a pretty tight armbar in uh I want to say it was the first, might have no second round, I want to say at the end of the second round. But dude, I think Michelle Watterson, um, I think it was Daniel Cormier who said this was the best fight that Michelle Watterson has put on, I find it hard to argue. Uh, she looked like she was dominant everywhere. And after I forgot after that submission loss to Rose Nama Yunus, I was a little concerned that maybe um, the UFC would – that it would take Michelle Watterson just a little bit more time to, to get back up in the rankings. But last night's performance was just so defining for, for her in the strawweight division – um, we've seen her dominate in the Adam weight division, former Invicta champion at 105. So, Bill, I think it's her time. I think that after um, some, I think uh, the title is wrapped up at the moment. I think there's a title fight coming up for the women's strawweight title. Yes, Jessica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so after that fight, I, I think, you got to give it to Michelle Watterson. I think she is the winner of that. As for Karolina Kovalkovic, um, I think maybe a step down in competition. She's been fighting a lot of top uh, women in this strawweight division. Uh, just give her a fight to for her to, you know, get her confidence back a little bit. Um, but overall, man, um, I'm a big Michelle Watterson fan. I love watching her uh, go in there and get to work. And just last night was just whole different level. I think Kovokovic is no slouch. She's a very tough, tough fight for anybody. And Michelle Watterson went in there 
and just uh, pieced her up, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was great. She's uh, definitely tightened up her grappling, and she's added some wrestling as well. Yeah. Her wrestling looked good. You know, she's always been good at that head and arm throw, which is dangerous because if you if you overextend on that, you get your back taken very easily. Mm -hmm. But she pulls it off well, and uh, she had some nice wrestling takedowns as well. For Carolina Kovalkiewicz, I think maybe Tisha Torres could be next. They're both on a bit of a losing skid, so uh, it could be like a loser leaves town kind of deal with those two. Uh, I think that would be an interesting matchup. I don't see who else you could give a title shot to besides Michelle Watterson. Um, I think it's probably more enticing if Jessica Andrade were to win against Rose Namajunas just because that's a fresh matchup. Yeah. Um, but – you know, who knows what they'll do. They, they may pull, you know, maybe they'll give it to Mackenzie Dern, like, <laughs> while she's pregnant. You never know. That, that's how unpredictable the UFC is. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of unpredictable, Paul Craig coming away with the uh, last-minute submission over Kennedy Nzechku. And this was, man, Paul Craig was taking a beating in this one. He was pulling Kennedy on top of him and just taking a pounding in this one. And he kept pulling guard, man. I cannot condone pulling guard anywhere, but especially in MMA where, you know, you can get, you can get beat up like this. Uh, it was a bold move by Paul Craig. He still seemed like he was a little bit dazed when that fight ended. It was all muscle memory that he was able to pull off that triangle. He used a really nice setup and he did it twice in a row. He used the scissor sweep. And when Kennedy pushes way push right push himself right into a triangle so it didn't work the first time he did it again and he was able to fall make kennedy fall right into that triangle it was it was a pretty nice setup um you know that's an old school uh sweep into a triangle setup where you know you go really hard for the sweep and then when you don't get it and they push back into you the triangle is right there so credit to Paul Craig for that move, but man, you got to be concerned with the way he fought this fight, pulling guard and, and taking a beating like that and, and trying, you know, he, he was trying really hard for the takedown, but he was also making the mistake of holding on to single legs for too long, which is something we've been talking about a lot lately too, Jeff. You hold on to that leg and you don't have a hand to defend those nasty elbows. And luckily he wasn't knocked out with any of those, but uh, you know, you're getting your brain rattled around in there a little bit. Uh, give me your thoughts on this performance by uh, the bear Jew, Paul Craig. Yeah, dude. Uh, in that second round, it was definitely all Kennedy. I think um, the first and third round up until the finish as well. So Paul Craig definitely needed the finish here. Um, Bill, I can't condone his fighting style, man. Just letting someone get on top of you like that in MMA. Like you said, not the most effective strategy. Uh, he was getting uh, really tough ground and pound from Kennedy. And I felt like Kennedy was doing a good job of getting out of those submissions in the first couple of rounds. But then mm -hmm. Paul Craig, um, just using the fundamentals of jujitsu, man. Um, you know, you pull your opponent one way and when they put you pull a different way mm -hmm. so you know that I, I really enjoyed that finish um you know it was like like we said the fundamentals of jujitsu were just there you know when your opponent pushes you pull when they pull you push so mm -hmm. really good stuff uh good finish for paul craig but i'd like for him to work on his stand-up a little bit more on the feed it was all kennedy in that fight. yeah yeah and i feel like every time Every time he he wins a fight, he's saying like, "Oh, my stand up's getting better," and and like, but I mean, 
you, you can't be that far behind the eight ball to where you're pulling guard. It, it, after how many fights has this guy had in the UFC? I, I could easily check, but I'm not going to uh, just because I want to move on. But yeah, I agree. Work on the striking, work on the wrestling. If, it, if the ground game is your thing, then, you know, be able to force it there. Don't just, don't just flop on your back and hope for the best. Uh, let's move back to uh, featherweight talk. Sadiq Yusuf and Shaman Marais. I do not know how these two gentlemen make 145 pounds. They look like two welterweights in there and they look like big welterweights, not just like, not just like, you know, Anthony Pettis moving up and fighting a welterweight, like Tyron Woodley. Like <laughs> these guys are fucking built. I don't know how they're making this weight. Um, so this was a, a good performance for Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, you know, I think he's very used to coming in and just being able to not, and he wasn't able to do that with Shaman Rice, who's a very experienced striker. He knows how to use his length. He knows how to use range and keep opponents away. And Sadiq Yusuf countered that by clinching a lot and holding him up against the cage and, and using his Muay Thai uh, in a very effective way and getting a unanimous decision. So uh, credit to Sadiq Yusuf. It was definitely the most he's been tested uh, in the UFC, including uh, on the Contender Series. So, um, yeah, good on him for that one. I did not catch... Um, many of the prelims. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Jeff, if there's anything else you want to cover here. Uh, and then I, ha I just have one more point on this card I want to touch on, and then we can move on. All right, sounds good. So, Bill, I only caught two fights from the prelims. Um, Kevin Holland versus Gerald Mearshart, which, Bill, this fight was a travesty. I mean, mm -hmm. it was... I mean, Kevin Holland did a really good job of creating scrambles because Gerald Mearshart um, was really going for, for a submission win in the first round. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Holland did a good job of creating scrambles. But then in the second round, Gerald Mearshart was just exhausted. And Kevin Holland, he didn't capitalize on it. Um, I mean, he, he was just slapping him around a little bit um, and just trying to stay on top of him, but he wasn't looking for a finish. And then in the third round, they were both exhausted. Um, you know, I, I felt like Kevin Holland did enough to win the third round. And then at the end, in his interview, he started talking shit. Um, it kind of felt like um, when Kamara Usman said that 30% line, yeah, that's what this. Yeah, that's what this fight felt like. Kevin Holland was saying, "Oh, you know, give me someone who's gonna stand and bang with me." Um, I was slapping Gerald Mearshart around, but it's like, dude, but the fight wasn't entertaining. You didn't blow him out of the water, so mm. um, I just I felt like it was it was poorly timed. Yeah, just a cringeworthy post-fight interview uh, after I, a lackluster performance. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's it. That's the nail on the head. So honestly. If you don't go back and watch this fight, you're not missing out on much. But um, the fight you should go back and watch, and this is the only other fight I saw in the prelims, was Desmond Green versus Ross Pearson. Um, Ross Pearson's a little bit older. I feel like he should hang up the gloves, honestly. But, dude, Desmond Green uh, was mixing it up really, really well. On the feet, he didn't look like he was having too many problems. And then in the middle of the first round, Bill, he shoots for a single leg, but instead powers through it and in, in the follow-through uses his right foot to trip um ross pearson's other leg that he doesn't have clinched in the single and then turns it into a double leg bill 
just a beautiful, beautiful takedown from Desmond Green. Then he held down Pearson um, he, with uh, the hand on the hip and just ground and just started wailing shots on him. Ross Pearson uh, was trying to get up, but Green's weight was on him and um, he wasn't protecting his face. So Desmond Green just unloading on him um, and the ref called it. So that was a really, really good fight. Um, I like the aggressiveness of Desmond Green's takedowns. I like how aggressive his wrestling was. So this was a really, really, really good fight to watch. So if you watch nothing else on the prelims, definitely check out Green versus Pearson. Cool. Yeah, I definitely will go back and watch that one. Yeah, Ross Pearson lost uh, six of his last seven now. So uh, if it's not time to hang it up, um, probably time to move on to somewhere outside of the UFC. If, if fighting is really what he wants to do, he's going to have to take a big step down in competition. Uh, he, you know, a great fighter who's put on some awesome performances over the years. He's super tough. He's not that old, 34 years old, but he's just been at this a long time. A lot of miles on him in the cage. Um, so yeah, you hate to see guys, uh, keep taking losses like this, uh, who have been around for so long. I guess they feel like, uh, there's nothing else they can do. One other point I want to touch on this card, Jeff, and I want to, I want to be as delicate as possible with this one. And it's the Ray Borg fight. So Ray Borg, I, I want to be very respectful about this because he's gone through a lot with his son. Um, you know, go, being in and out of the emergency room and medical bills. And, and as a parent, I can't help but empathize with him. And I can't even imagine how, how he's feeling uh, with all that he has going on at home. That is, is something that no parent should ever have to go through. But at the same time, uh, you know, he missed weight twice as a flyweight and you know, still got that championship fight with Demetrius Johnson, which is why we didn't get to see Demetrius Johnson fight uh, TJ Dillashaw at that time because he wanted to give the fight to Ray Borg, who was notorious for missing weight, uh, even though Dillashaw, you know, he his reason for not fighting Dillashaw was that he thought he wouldn't make weight mm -hmm. and he wanted to have that title streak extended. So Ray Borg moves up in weight to 135 and he misses weight again, Jeff. And he had time to continue cutting and he chose not to, he quit on the scale and he had to give up 20% of his purse to a guy who took this fight, um, in Casey Kenny on two weeks notice maybe, and who was able to make weight. So there were some rumblings that Casey Kenny should decline taking the 20% of Ray Borg's purse uh, because of everything that Ray Borg has going on. And I kind of look at it the other way. I think if Ray Borg wants to really take care of his family, he's got to, he's got to do his job. He's got to make weight and then he's got to go out there and win the fight. And if he's not able to do those things, if he's got too much stress in his life to make the weight, or to go out there and perform, then, you know, it's probably time to walk away from this and get a job at, that has like really good medical benefits or something like a regular job so that he can focus on his family. And I hate to, I hate to put it in terms like this, but I just feel like it's something that we need to talk about. You know, you know, he's proven time and time again, he can't make weight and he moves up in weight against a guy who's taking the fight on two weeks notice and he misses weight again. And, and he's 
he's taking money out of his own pocket by doing this. And that's money that could be going towards uh, helping his son and medical expenses and everything like that. And, um, you know, again, Jeff, I want to be as delicate as possible, but like, he's got to get it together, man. Uh, you know, he's got to, he's got to take care of that kid. And if, if fighting isn't the way to do that, he's got to figure out another way to do it. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I'm not going to be as nice about it. Um, I mean, dude, Ray Borg, if he wants to take care of his son and his family, make the weight. I mean, you moved up 10 pounds and you still missed weight by a pound. I think there's no excuse for this, especially mm -hmm. when his opponent's taking this fight on two weeks notice. And I hate to sound like a dick, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think Casey Kenny has no moral or any obligation to give Ray Borg that money back. I mean, that's on Borg. He's the one who missed weight. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel bad for Ray Borg. I, I'd hate you know, for I hate I don't like that he's going through this situation, but if if it's too stressful for him, if he feels like he can't perform, then you know step away for a little bit. Go, mm -hmm. you know, take care of your family first, and then you know once that's all resolved, jump back into the octagon. You know, but I feel that what Ray Borg is doing is not helping the cause here. Um, so you know, I feel bad for him, but he's still got to show up and do his job. Yeah, for sure. Uh, totally agree. And uh, credit to Casey Kenny, who came over with, with a lot on the line here. You know, he was a, a champion in LFA and he came over to make his UFC debut on short notice, taking on a guy who had fought for the title previously in Ray Borg and coming away with the unanimous decision. Uh, I did not see the fight, but uh, you know, good on Casey Kenny taking that last minute fight. Uh, taking a fight against a guy who did not make weight, uh, did not agree to the first part of the deal, and still coming away with the victory. So uh, good for him. Uh, I know he's he's a tough kid. Uh, I believe he was a two-weight class champion in the LFA. Don't quote me on that. But, um, yeah, I, sh I need to research that a little bit more. But uh, it's been a busy week, Jeff. What can I say? I need to do my usual uh, – my usual Googling, I want to call it research, but <laughs> that's all it really is. Um, so, Jeff, so much has gone on in the past couple of weeks. Uh, there's been card after card after card, and they've all been excellent. I'm looking forward to a, a little bit of a week off. Um, and then you're going to be arriving here in Florida, and we've got UFC 236. This one top to bottom is just such an awesome card. Uh, I, I really can't wait for this uh, and to put it on uh, from the first prelim and watch all the way through a spectacular main event. Now we have next week to really take a deep dive into this one, Jeff. Uh, tell me what's really jumping off the page on this UFC 236 card. And then, uh, you know, next week we can go one fight at a time and, and really, you know, take a deep dive into it. Bill, there are, there are a few cards that make me say what's not to like. And this is one of those cards, man. I mean, take your pick, man. Every fight on here looks so exciting. Mm -hmm. Everything on the main card. You have Alan Joban coming back. You know, um, I like him because he used to be a model and, you know, he's not just a pretty boy. He can get in there and fight, dude. Um, mm -hmm. Eric Anders versus Khalil Roundtree. 
the um, Holloway versus Poirier, Gastelum versus Adesanya, OSB versus Nikita Krylov. That's going to be fireworks. And then Bill headlining, at least it looks like it's headlining the prelim card on ESPN, is your boy Matt Frivola, who you interviewed um, this week. I was actually listening to that episode before we uh, came on, and it was really interesting uh, seeing him, how he you know, views fighting and how he's preparing for all this. Um, so I'm excited for that one, too. Um, Wilson Hayes is on here. Max Griffin, um, Bilal Muhammad, and Curtis Melender are on here. Um, I mean, you know, this from top to bottom, this fight card just looks really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to really break this one down next week and really take a a close look at this main event as well, which is a rematch. So there's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to digest. I mean, these guys Definitely. have had almost 20 fights each since they last fought. So uh, we'll we'll definitely preview that next week. Uh, as excited as I am to talk about, I'm also excited to not be obligated to watch MMA for a weekend. There was also uh, one championship card this weekend, Jeff, and like it was on at 6 a.m. And I just don't give a fuck, you know? If you guys feel differently and change my mind, reach out on social media. Let me know why I should care. But I just don't. Um, you know, I feel like they're really trying to ram it down our throats. Like, oh, we're so much better than the UFC because we don't promote uh, with uh, with drama and all this. And we're all about martial artists. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I get it. If I want to watch, I'll watch. Don't tell me why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know uh but you know if if there's something i really need to see here then uh like i said change my mind reach out on social media and if you want to get a hold of jeff on social media you can do so at animal underscore wilson on twitter jeff any closing thoughts before we uh wrap this thing up here um yeah i'm just a little surprised because i'm looking at the results of one championship I mean, obviously, Demetrius Johnson won. That wasn't going to be too surprising. But um, Eddie Alvarez got TKO'd in the, on this yeah. fight card. I might have to go check that out, man. Yeah, um, in the first round. The yeah, mighty dude. have fallen. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's been a champion in every organization he's fought in. So not the best start for him in this uh, lightweight Grand Prix. But, yeah, but I'm with you, man. One championship. I'm not going to wake up at 6 a.m. for anything. I yeah. barely wake up at 6 a.m. for work, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that noise. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you got. Uh, don't forget that there was an episode before this one, episode 133, interview with Matt Steamroll of Frivola. You're not going to want to miss that one. Uh, listen to his thoughts on his upcoming fight with Jalen Turner at UFC 236. That's next week. And uh, we'll talk a lot more alcohol next week. Uh, we left that out this week uh, just because, I don't know, I didn't feel like it. But I got some stuff to talk to you guys about as far as that's concerned. Anyway, until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.